How many are so glad that because God is the Lord over all, all of life becomes an opportunity to bring him glory? Because he's the Lord of heaven and of earth, everything in our life becomes a means to the end of glorifying our King Jesus Christ. And so I just thank you guys for um, just hearing the cry, hearing the call, and that offering and that line item on our website will be open till the end of the year. And for those who do it for tax purposes and you're just super bored with all of your money, we will take as much as you want to give for the vision. And all of it will go towards those three ends. Some of you are just like, gosh, Pastor Chad, even those watching online, wherever you're at around the country or the world, we will take it and we will use it for God's glory and for the expansion and the building up of his church and the kingdom. Man, I'm believing. I'm believing we're in a year of harvest, that our best days are ahead of us. And I'm not just saying that. I believe that God is setting the story up so that the end is even more glorious than the beginning. That's what I'm believing. Today, we are continuing our, our series throughout the book of, uh, sorry, throughout the, the Advent season. Advent just means the coming or the arrival of our King Jesus. And we've been saying for weeks that we live in between the advents, that Christ the King came as a baby and Christ the King will come again at the end of the age. The kingdom of God was inaugurated. The kingdom of God will be consummated. How many are so thankful that he who promised is faithful and he will finish what he started? And in the in-between of the advents, you and I are invited to participate in the kingdom of God, the story of God that's unfolding in and through our lives. Today, it's a very simple but glorious reality. The passages that we're going to look at this morning or whenever you're watching online will show and highlight the fact that we serve a God of the great reversal. What do I mean by that? I mean that he's the God, like Brother Michael read, who restores our fortunes, that we can go out sowing in tears, but we come home singing songs of joy. Come on, we bring him our rags of righteousness and he arrays us in his royal robe of righteousness. We confess our spiritual poverty and he stuffs us with the riches of life and his kingdom that flows from his son. We confess that we are, are, are blind, we are dead in our trespasses and sins and when we acknowledge that and confess our, 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 our spiritual bankruptcy, he gives us, the 2 Corinthians 8, 9, the riches of Christ in exchange. Because we serve a God of Advent, a God who comes to us, when he comes, he flips the table and he far outmatches our highest expectations. He's always better than you can imagine. Come on, someone say amen to that. He's always be better. He's always more glorious. He's always more kind. He's always more powerful. He's always more gracious. He's always more loving and merciful than we could ever, ever peg him. Yeah. 
And the moment we ascribe, like Lance led us in worship, that he is good, he's like, oh, you've seen nothing yet. I'm better than good. I'm better than better than your better good. I'm good all the way down. All that he does, the, the psalmist says, is good. And forever, when God comes, there is a great reversal. There is a great exchange. How many are so thankful today that he is still flipping tables? He is still reversing the, the order. He is still in the business of coming close and when he comes, of transforming and changing the game. Jesus, as his very own mom, sang over him while the virgin was pregnant of the spirit. She sang a song. And how many, how many just love how music has a way of just sticking in our heads and sticking in our hearts and sticking in our souls? How many, how many would say that music is uniquely powerful to do that? Beauty and art, and it's the melody, it's the hook, it's the syncopation, it's the, it's the rhyme scheme, it's the lyric, it's, okay, should I go on? You get it. And what I love is that in Luke chapter one, Mary, Jesus's mother, prophetically sings over the seed of life that was growing in her belly. And that song that she sang over her son, who is to be born in just a few short months, would actually become the script that her son would live out of. Come on, I'm talking to moms and dads. I'm talking to grandparents that the songs that you're singing over your children can become a script that they'll live out of in the grace of God. And in Luke chapter one, Mary sings a song over her son. She's overwhelmed. She's humble. She's from a no-name backwoods pump, uh, N.T. Wright says, the country bumpkin Nashville, off the beaten path on the other side of the tracks, if you know what I'm saying, and it's to this humble teenage, most scholars believe, virgin, the king comes and lets his favor rest upon her. Come on, how many are so thankful that Mary is actually just a prototype for all of us in the grace of God? He comes to us not because we're worthy of it, not because of our pedigree, not because of our performance. He comes because he's a God who lavishes favor on the humble and the lowly. This is who our God comes to to reverse. And so Mary gets this news that she's going to bear the Savior of the world, Israel's Messiah, the Most High God. And when she gets the news, she's like, this is a little bit almost too good, but Lord, however you're going to work it out, let it be done to me according to your word. Luke chapter 1. And then she goes and she visits her relative, Elizabeth, and it's so beautiful. How many believe that God is never done with us? I love the Christmas Advent story because you have Zachariah and Elizabeth who represent the older generation. I mean, beyond the age that we would ever like want to be beyond the age of childbearing. But here, the, the older generation gets pregnant with with, with God's vision and God's plan and God's redemptive purposes. And Mary, I'm sorry, and Zechariah and Elizabeth give birth to John the Baptist who will be a forerunner for the, for, the, for the son of Mary, Jesus the King. 
And I'm just so thankful that God is always, even though, yes, it's next generation, and yes, we want to continue online, but I want you to know that if you are in that, what you would consider the older generation, God wants to plant fresh hope and life in your spiritual womb today. He wants you. He doesn't want you to sail off into the sunset until glory comes. He wants to stuff a new purpose in you even this morning. He wants you to give birth. Even in your old age, you think, I feel like I'm past my prime or I kind of did my time. I want you to know that he's never done. If you've got a pulse, you've got a part to play in the story. And if you've got a heart that's yielded and surrendered, he has, he has a place to plant a fresh seed that just might give birth to something or someone that God is just preparing right behind you. Come on, Robert's excited. I like that encouragement. And so Mary sings. Mary sings. And I just want to encourage you. How many know that God wants us to steward the influence that we have? So I'm gonna talk to grandparents for a little bit. You may only get your grandkids a little bit. Lean into the influence. You'll never know the influence you could have upon their life by the songs and the atmosphere you're creating in your home. Come on, how many wanna say amen to that? To you parents who feel like, man, I don't even feel saved half the time. It's hard raising and rearing children. Can I get an amen? Don't grow weary or lose heart. The songs that you're singing in the atmosphere of your home and of your family, of your heart, God is working in and behind and through all of it. And I love Mary's song becomes the roadmap that her son would live out of. Powerful. Luke chapter one, verse 46. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. How many know the psalmist says that he knows the proud from afar, but the humble he knows right up close and personal? How many know there's only one people who are in a category that Bible describes as being resisted by God? What is that category? the proud, but he gives grace or favor to the, you've been mindful of your humble state of your servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one, everyone say mighty one, has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And so you see Mary, this little teenager with the news that she's bearing the, she's, she's, she's growing the, the savior of the world in her womb. Look at this language. The mighty one has done great things for me, but he's been mindful of his humble servant. Come on, how many know mighty things come in small packages? It ain't the size that matters. It's what you're carrying and about to release. The mighty one the God of all creation has done great things for me. I'm carrying greatness in me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation. He has, perf- listen to how many he's there are. God is the actor. He is the one who's performed mighty deeds with his arms. 
He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Look at this. Read it with me. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. He has helped, look at another he, his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I want you to know that Advent is the season where we celebrate the God who intervenes, and when he intervenes, he acts. If you underline in your Bible or your journal or your smartphone, how many he's are there in verse 51 onwards? He has performed mighty deeds. He has scattered. He has brought down. He has lifted up. He has filled. He has sent away. He has helped. He remembers. How many are so thankful that the God who intervened then at the first advent is still the God who intervenes now and there is power in his righteous right hand? He's performed mighty deeds. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. And he has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich go away empty. We serve the God of the great reversal or the God of the great exchange. However you get there, those things that we think disqualify us from the story of God, I already mentioned them, our spiritual poverty, our brokenness, our sin, our sense of in inadequacy, our sense of brokenness or barrenness, all of those things that we think disqualify us are actually the ink that he wants to stick his redemptive pen in to write his story that will bring him maximum glory. And what this passage realizes is all of those who are proud, all of those who don't think they need mercy, all of those who think I'm rich, I'm well off, I'm good, thank you, they're the ones that when God intervenes and acts, find themselves on the outside of what God is doing. And it's those that when Mary sings over her son and just the, the joy of the Holy Spirit that's in her, she's saying, when my son is born and throughout his entire ministry, all of his ministry will find its expression around this great kingdom reality. The God who reverses what the hum human eye sees and he ushers in what God has decreed and declared all along. If you read the Gospel of Luke, it is one story after the another of the reversal. Let me just give you a highlight reel. I'm not gonna preach the whole Gospel. It's 24 chapters, take a deep breath. Jesus, how do I know that this song marked Jesus? Well, when Jesus went to, when he finally you know, conquered the wilderness, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, his Father declared, I love you, I'm so proud of you, son. And then he goes and he's driven into the wilderness and he conquers the threefold temptation and he comes in the power of the Holy Spirit and he goes back to his home synagogue. He grabs the scroll of Isaiah and here's what he reads. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed, listen to the reversals or the exchanges. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Look at it, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight 
for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when he finished, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All of Jesus's life will be one reversal after another, one epic, scandalous kingdom exchange after. And by scandal, I mean what no one in Jesus's circle or his contemporaries would have thought God would be doing. For example, in Luke chapter five, the Pharisees, why does your master rabbi hang out with sinners? He's like, it's a reversal. I'm not here for the righteous. I'm here to call sinners to repentance and to find life in me. What is Jesus doing with the beggars and the tax collectors? Why do we know the beggar Bartimaeus' name, but not the rich guy who tried to inherit eternal life by his own merit? Every story we turn to is the great kingdom reversal. Every time Jesus acts, it's not what you expect. It's better. It flips the script. It turns the tables over. He is the God of the great reversal. And Mary prophesied over her son. This is what he'll do. She sings in exuberant joy by the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring the humble low. He's going to dismantle rulers and authorities. And he's not going to do it by how all other kings who tried to usurp authority did it. He's not going to use the sword. Listen, if he would have used the sword, somebody with the bigger sword could have came behind him and overtaken his kingdom. No, he is going to usher in another eternal kingdom because he never uses the means that all of humanity and every king before him reached for to exert power and authority. That's why his kingdom reigns and it's eternal because it, it was a king and a kingdom who used power never for himself, but always to usher in and to enact what God's story was needed in the moment. God, the God of the great reversal and the great exchange. The whole ministry of King Jesus, the last will be first and the first will be, come on somebody, where the kingdom of God is not given to the rich, big, important, powerful with all of the influence, they're given to little children the whole ministry of Jesus takes its shape from Mary's song he's been mindful of the humble come on just he's been mindful of the humble the great reversals in Luke's gospel I've, I've already mentioned a few of them good news to the poor freedom for the imprisoned set free for the oppressed. He's come to call not the righteous, but the sick and the sinner. It's not those who are well off, who are hungry and self-sufficient who get the kingdom. It's those who are poor, who mourn and are hungry. Aren't you glad for the God of the great exchange? It is not the religious elite or the upper echelon of culture in Jerusalem or in the, the, the suburbs of Jericho who get the kingdom. Rather, it is the blind, the lame, the leper, the deaf, the dead, and the poor who are responding to his salvation, Luke 7, 22. It's not the priest or the Levite, the ones that we would expect in the storyline who were the good neighbor, it was the good Samaritan. 
It was not those who had means who owned oxen or who owned land or who were more, who were, had upstanding because they were married and had a good relationship. When they were invited to the banquet feast, what did they tell the invitation person? I'm busy. Come on, somebody. How many have ever been too busy for the invitation to God's great banquet? How many are thankful that until the end of the age, he still offers invitations, praise God. But who is it that we find in Luke 14 who respond to the invitation? It wasn't those initially invited. Remember, it's the God of the great reversal. It's the ones, it's the alleyway. It's the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Bring them in because I want my father's house full. When the 10 lepers were healed, it wasn't the other nine that you would expect. The one who came back praising God was the Samaritan. Everyone say, bump, bump, bump. In every gospel story, it's a reversal. In every story that King Jesus enacts the kingdom of God by obeying and doing what his father's doing in the power of the spirit, it's always the great reversal. It's the rich man who walks away sad, but it's the blind man who confesses his need for the mercy of Israel's Messiah who goes home healed. It's not the tax, it's not the Pharisee who fasts twice a week or gives a tenth of all that he has in the parable in Luke 18, who prays at a distance. He doesn't hang out with sinners. He's just isolated and alone. He's so impressed by his own performance. He's not the guy who goes home justified. It's the poor tax collector who beats his chest and won't even look up to heaven because he knows he's not worthy of it. It's not the rich man that the poor beggar Lazarus who begged every day at his gate, every time he went in and went out, it wasn't he who was in Abraham's bosom, it's the, it's the poor Lazarus. Can, I just, can you just say amen? I'm just preaching the whole, the, all of Luke is great reversal after great reversal, great exchange after great exchange. But I want you to know the significance that when Mary sang that song, I believe that the whole ministry of Jesus, he could hear the melody. <laughs> the whole ministry, every sermon, every healing, every mighty act, he could hear. Oh, I remember when my mom sang that song over me when I was in her womb. This is what I do. I fill the hungry with good things. The spirit that conceived me in my mother's womb is the spirit who's empowering and leading me to those who need a fresh touch of God's mercy and healing power. Jesus said, the greatest among you is not the one who has all the fans and followers and all the power and authority through the, through the human lens. It's those who are at the table as servants. When Jesus watched all the rich put their offering, last one, I promise, in Luke chapter 20, 21, when all of the rich came, and can you just imagine big bags of coins and gold, just clunk, you know, clunk, my, one of my easily favorite stories of the gospel then comes John asked in Matthew chapter 11, are you the one who is to come? Jesus, I sure thought things would pan out differently. I gave my whole life to prepare your way and now I'm about to die. But Jesus said this, go back in verse five and report what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. 
Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And I want you to know, Jesus Christ in Hebrews 13 verse 8 is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is still in the same ministry. He just now does it through a different body. He's not walking around. He's ascended in his glorified body by his father. But did you know Paul and the writers of the New Testament, one of their favorite descriptions for Jesus' people are Jesus' body. So you see the picture, our head, King Jesus, he's in the heavenly places right now with his father, rearing and ready, living in a posture of intercession just for his father to tap him on the shoulder and say, second advent operation underway. Until that time, Jesus Christ's ministry continues. He doesn't do it through his physical body now. He is a man at the right hand of the Father. He does it through his earthly body called the church. So the ministry of Jesus hasn't changed. How many believe he's still giving sight to the blind, spiritually and physically? He's still causing the lame to walk, spiritually or physically. He's still cleansing those who have leprosy or disease. Come on, somebody. The deaf are still hearing. The dead are still being raised. And the good news is still proclaimed. Now he does and accomplishes his ministry through different means, his body. Come on, that's you and me. Look at your hands. It's like, whoa. I'm his and he's in me and I'm in him. This ministry of Advent, this ministry of when he comes, there's a great reversal, there's a great exchange. You and I are now those conduits. The Bible calls us instruments. Come on, what's an instrument? Oh, it's supposed to sit on the shelf and just gather dust. And We're instruments of righteousness. What is righteousness? It's God putting that which is wrong, broken, bound, or bent out of shape because of sin and its fall, and he's making it right again, first with him, then within, then with each other. We're instruments of that in his hand. And this says we're ambassadors of reconciliation. Wow. How many this week... I think I counted around 30, but how many were literally physically healed over this week over, under the ministry of, of my dad? Raise your hand nice and tall. You were healed. One, two. Your body was touched. We had several guests come with us. How many were mentally or emotionally healed this week? I mean, praise God. When he acts... When our king comes, not just once and not just in the future, but presently today by his spirit, anything and everything can change. How many would say today, Pastor Chad, I'd sure like. You ever seen that when you go to an airport or if you've traveled international where you see the exchange rate between currency. Raise your hand if you've seen that before. You've ever traveled, you say, okay, a dollar's worth such and such, a euro's worth such and such. Here's what I love, like the exchange or the reversal. We bring, what do we bring? Well, I could give you a few passages. Isaiah 56 says, our righteousness on its best day is like a filthy rag. 
On our best day, the needs around us are gargantuan and impossible to meet through human, our own needs. All we ever bring are loaves and fishes. But how many are thankful the exchange or reversal rate of heaven is what we could never get to on our own. That's why it's called the good news. I just see that, you know, the exchange rate. The exchange. How many today just want to lean into that, that grace that changes the story? That grace that reverses the odds. That grace, that, that great exchange that you bring your barrenness or your brokenness and he gives you life, healing, and grace. I just wanna know if, if, if maybe today that's you, would you just stand up on your feet? I just wanna pray specifically for you. You wanna respond to the gospel today for the first time or the 20th time, I don't care. You just say, I want to be a recipient of that great reversal. And maybe if you're watching online, just open your heart. I love Mary's song. The spirit that conceived the Christ child within her womb was the same Holy Spirit that energized and empowered his whole ministry. The spirit of the Lord's on me. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted today in the grace of God, it can be bound up in him. To proclaim freedom for the captives, if you're locked behind an addiction, if you're bound in a cell of shame, those shackles can come off in the grace of Christ today. He wants to release from darkness the prisoner. Maybe there's something in your, your, your mind, a memory of abuse a dream, something that was done to you or that you did and you wanna be delivered from that dark prison cell. There's deliverance today in the grace of Christ. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, this harkens back to the principle of jubilee. Maybe you feel like your whole family's been under attack. Come on, the brilliance and the, 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 the beauty of Jubilee is those who fell on hard times and they had to sell themselves into temporary slavery to pay the bills. In Jubilee year, all of those things that your family possessed through the generation were restored to you. Come on, somebody. Maybe you want that favor, the Lord's favor to rest upon you. Maybe you just say today, I wanna be a part of a new family line and a new family story. My family has had this generational thing, but the Lord says, in my spirit and grace, the year of the Lord's favor is for you. Those things that you felt like have been stolen for generations over your life and over your family tree, the Lord can heal in an instant in his grace. The day of vengeance of our God. Maybe you, you've been perpetrated, maybe a crime, maybe, maybe a scandal, financial, spiritual, emotional, relational. The Lord is the God who is the, on the day of vengeance, he will act. Maybe today you need hope that he will actually bring justice for your life. And it just keeps getting better. He comforts those who mourn. Maybe you've just been in a season of mourning. Stand and receive his comfort today. He provides for those who grieve in Zion. He bestows on them a crown of beauty 
instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And so just put your hands out like you're receiving a gift and just say, Lord, I receive. I bring you these things and just confess it what you're bringing him today. Just take a moment and just say, Jesus, I receive the exchange, the great reversal that you fill the hungry and the humble with good things. That he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He brings down rulers from their thrones and he's filled me with good things. And just say it right now, in Jesus' name, I receive your great exchange, your great reversal. And I receive it just by faith. And then pray this prayer, Lord, I will steward these seeds of promise and breakthrough. Come on, it wasn't enough that Mary just said, let it be to me according to your word. There was a gestation period. How many know that the Lord works in us and then he works with us until the work is finished? Come on, somebody, say it. We have a stewardship to play. We have a part, he has a partnership he's looking for in us and through our yes. And so, Lord, we just commit to stewarding these seeds of breakthrough, these reversals, these exchanges that we've given you now. I pray for just grace in this season like we've never experienced before. In Jesus' name, we all said amen and amen. Let's just all stand to our feet. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet. I just want to send you with this great blessing. Mary, it's very easy to see, stole her song from another woman that God picked to give birth to a significant child, Hannah. Everyone remember the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel 2. I made a graph. I didn't show it. Mary's song and Hannah's song are almost word for word. They're almost word for word. It's so awesome. Come on, how many want to sing a song that lasts generations? <laughs> <laughs> but here's what I love. I'm gonna just send us out with this right here. The back end of Hannah's song. <clears throat> the Lord makes, brings death and the Lord makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, and he, he, he has them inherit a throne of honor. Come on, somebody. Say, he may have found me in an ash heap, but he raises me up as a prince or a princess at his table where I can inherit a throne of honor. Oh, here, hold on. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. He will guard, look at this, say this with me. He will guard the feet Come on, Robert, somebody else. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants. But the wicked will be silenced. Come on, in the place of darkness. And let me re finish this. Receive this today. 
This goes in the face of every other narrative known to man. It is not by strength that one prevails. Just say that. Zachariah said it like this. It's not by might or by power, but by my spirit. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The most high will thunder from heaven and the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. And look at this. He will give strength to his, to his king and he will exalt the horn of his anointed. And what I wanna send you with is this. In those moments where you feel weak, where you feel inadequate, maybe the enemy tries to remind you. How many of you know that the enemy's good at reminding, but he's not worth listening to? I want you to remind him and remind yourself it's not by strength that that one prevails. It's by the power of his spirit. And as long as I stay in this posture of weakness, his spirit can just keep on coming, keep on filling, and keep on flowing through my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in God's strength. Go in God's spirit. I love you guys. Let's go reverse some tables today as we live out of God's best plan as the body of Christ this week. Amen and amen.